looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post. It is Sunday, February 21. We passed the post yesterday, Saturday, February 20. Big day in Melbourne, Blue Diamond Stakes Day always is. One of Caulfield's biggest days. And, of course, we had the Group 1 Futurity and the Group 1 Oakley Plate. Another good day at Rose Hill Gardens with the Hobartville, the Silver Slipper and the Millie Fox. And, of course, racing in South Australia at Morfordville. A good lead-up to the Adelaide Cup. We may have seen the Adelaide Cup winner yesterday. We'll talk about that later. And Eagle Farm raced. And the track played extremely well yesterday, which was good news for all concerned. And uh, I thought there was a very promising horse started there yesterday that we'll have a chat with the trainer a bit later in the show. You might recall last Sunday on Past the Post, I said to Michael Maxworthy, a very good form analyst said to me, backing Enthar in the Blue Diamond is free money. Well, I think he's learned that not everything in life is free, but rather than bear a grudge, I've invited him to co-host the program with me this morning. Jared Wessel, how are you? Yes, a good, very good morning to you, David. Good morning to everyone. A terrific day's racing yesterday, both at Caulfield, uh, Rose Hill, and, and also were at Eagle Farm and Morfordville as well. So looking forward to getting... Don't get off the subject. <laughs> Get off the subject. What happened to that free money? Well, interesting lead up. Obviously, she uh, presented lame on Thursday, past fit to run on uh, on Friday. But um, yeah, as as the saying goes, uh, it's a great game racing, and she looked looked to be travelling very very easily early on in the race. Uh, stayed off the fence. Marks are cruised to the front, but um, you could see she was under a bit of pressure shortly after straightening, and uh, and the challenges were there to claim her around about the, the three hundred metre mark. She went very strongly in front. You, you, you'd have to say she was running sectionals of just over 10. And uh, she was there. She was competitive till about the 100 metres and then felt the pinch. But obviously, um, you know, and I'm sure Kieran Maher and David Eustace will sit down and think, what? where do we head now? What do we do now? But the trick seems to be to try to harness that speed because at the moment, racing like that won't see a win you know, golden slippers of the like. Yes, that's exactly right. I heard some post-race comments from Mark Zara where he suggested that she was uh, beaten by her own brilliance in the fact that, as you said, she can do these uh, or she can go along at this pace, these 10-second sectionals, and she seems to be just doing it with her head on her chest. So e- exactly right. She's got to learn to harness that speed better and um, and that 1,200 metres, uh, fast run 1,200 metres certainly found her out yesterday. It was a fast run blue diamond, courtesy of Inthar. She was the favourite. $2.40 at the jump is the replay. So it's Enthar up towards the turn at the 500. Clearly two and a quarter. Jigsaw General Bow Finance Tycoon. Then Absailer Ingratiating Construct. Cutting the corner Arcaded. Then came Animo the widest. Further back Wolves in traffic from Artorias, Janibi, Hitotsu and Pagazi. It's Enthar at the 200 metres from General Bow. Finance Tycoon Ingratiating running on. Enthar has a fight. General Bow coming out of Finance Tycoon Ingratiating. And Artorias is flying at the 50. Artorias! Pounces, bombs them and wins. Artorias from ingratiating photo third. Animo from finance tycoon general Bowen. Thar got swamped, followed further back in the field by Construct and then Wolves, Jigsaw and Atotsu, a gap arcaded, Absailer, Wellback, Pagazi and Janibi. 19.57 was the gallop. So it was uh, it was naturally a truly run blue diamond and Artorias was the strongest of the finish. You made a good point uh, off air to me about the 1,200-metre distance, it's a big leap from 1,000 to 1,100, isn't it? Exactly right. We only saw two horses yesterday start at 1,200 or beyond before this race. Finance Tycoon, of course, ran in the Magic Millions. And Artorias, the winner, uh, it came through the less glamorous way or race, I should say. Um, he, he came through a midweek 1,300-metre race at Sandown. But they're always high-pressure races, aren't they, these two-year-old uh, events? And um, you've got to be really strong. That last furlong really finds a, a number of them out. Let's introduce our first guest here on Past the Post and uh, had great reason to celebrate yesterday. This is a great family, the Freeman family, and Sam, of course, Sam Freeman, now in a training partnership with his dad, Anthony. It was a big day for him, but a big day for the team as well, and Sam's been kind enough to join us. Sam, good morning and congratulations. Morning, guys. Thank you very much. What about um, in the run? You would have had your eyes on Arturis. It probably wasn't really a done deal to the last 50 metres, but... um, uh, I suppose also when you were seeing that speed in the race, which, you know, was on the cards, you knew it would suit your horse. Yeah, well, look, he was um, he was slow away, which we actually put him through the gates on Thursday with the blinkers on, and he was much the same. He was a little bit slow out, um, 
So Luke, you know, obviously I had to give him a dig. From there, I was probably a little worried that, um, you know, we'd just be running on for, for fourth or fifth. Um, knew he'd be really strong late, but had our reservations that maybe they were just going to be a little bit too sharp at the 1,200, you know, dropping back from the 1,300. But uh, the blinkers really switched him on back in trip and a, a gap between runs. So, um, yeah, I suppose it, it wasn't um, sewn up until the last little bit. But, you know, once he was in clear air with 100 to go, um, you know, we were pretty sure that there wasn't going to be anything finishing stronger than him. As Jared said, he, he came through the, the low-key way. He kicked off uh, with a debut second at Geelong and then that, that win at Sandown, which was a, a Saturday meeting at 1,300 metres. Before he began his racing career, did you and Dad think that he was, you know, potentially a Blue Diamond horse, a Blue Diamond winner even? No, look, probably not. Um, you know, he was bought from Magic Millions and he was you know, passed him for 120000 He was a very immature yearling. He, he probably hadn't quite... Um, grown into himself as yet we we had him in for a couple of preps and uh, the feedback from riders and everything was it you know he had a really nice action he was just a bit sort of all over the place not quite switched on as yet it took him a little while to have the penny drop and um, even after his debut at Geelong if you told me that he'd be winning a blue diamond two starts later I'd have probably been pretty surprised but um even after that first run uh, where he was you know, again a little bit slow out and and ran home in some of the fastest sections of the day. Um, you know, in the back of our mind, we were actually considering blinkers probably heading into Sandown. Um, but they changed the distance of that race from 1,200 to 1,300, and we didn't really want to put them on and step him right up in trip. So we left them off, and he was obviously very impressive there. Um, but in between that, um, you know, we spoke to a few form guys, and his sectionals weren't outstanding there. Um, we probably felt that we needed to get an edge somewhere and um, the blinkers, you know, back to 1,200, we knew he'd settle. That wasn't going to be a problem. Um, yeah, that was, you know, that's what really switched him on. But, uh, yeah, I think early days, you know, probably I was pretty surprised that he'd, that he'd be a blue diamond winner. He, um, he has stamped himself now uh, as a top-line two-year-old and many, many good horses have won the blue diamond and gone on to, to greater heights. Just in the short term, though, winning yesterday, where do we? what do we do now with Artorias? Where do we head with him? Yeah, well, look, we left him out of the slipper um, because, to be honest, we were probably using this run as a stepping stone to um, maybe the size in Sydney. Mm. So I think that's where we'll head. He's pulled up really well this morning. Ada had a nice roll and a pick and nice and fresh and well. So we'll get him back to the farm for an easy seven days or so. Um, and freshen him up a little bit, and we'll, we'll likely give him a trial up there in Sydney. Um, there'll be no pressure to get there. It'll be if he's still thriving and doing everything right. Um, but ultimately, we've felt the whole way through that he's going to be at his best at 1,400 and a mile. So um, we may look to stretch him out for those back-end two-year-old races in Sydney. I'm a race caller, Seb. I've been around a long time, and uh, I remember... You know, the Tommy Smith colours, the the, uh, the blue and the dark green stripes, Cummings with the golden green diagonal stripes, white cap. But I think these colours yesterday, the Friedman family colours, are right up there in terms of, of history. You know, they've produced Melbourne Cup, Caulfield Cup winners. It was great to see those colours hit the line. And uh, so many people, Australian punters and people who just like racing really identify with them. Yeah, it is. It, it was a nice touch. Um... Yeah, I think, you know, we obviously syndicated him amongst all our owners and they're all happy to just have our colours on. And, yeah, it's it's, it's something a little more special when you've got those colours on for um, for those big race successes. And, um, yeah, yes, they were certainly very special in that respect. And it would be remiss if we didn't uh, congratulate and mention Luke Curry. Yeah, well, look, he's, um, he's just an amazing rider in general and, and he gets this race right so often um you know we chatted in the pre-race and we both agreed if we could you know emulate a plan as we sort of did with liar a couple of years ago and we pretty much rode him exactly the same way um he just you know he's only sat on the horse in a trial and a gallop prior to prior to that yesterday and um he's just very cool calm and collected and just takes it all in his stride and he didn't panic when he was slow out um yeah, it takes a very special rider to to make those decisions when you when your plan A goes out the door at the start. Just uh, for our listeners, uh, the 
you know, it's it's probably in, in name only as such. You've been with your dad for some time now as part of the team. When did the training partnership officially start? Yeah, so it was August 1, um, yeah, just before the spring last year. Um, but, yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, it's a, it's very exciting, but it's um, sort of been working alongside Dad for a while now, and I take the same thrill out of, you know, having my name in the licence as I would if it was just him. It's just, you know, a huge thrill for the for the whole team, and you see the emotion in all the staff and everyone that's worked so closely with this horse. Um, and, it, yeah, it just means a lot to everyone. It was a, a very emotional day. Just before we let you go, let's tick off on a few others from yesterday. Holmesman and Steel Prince, third and fourth, and the Peter Young. Where are they headed? Yeah, look, they're both great runs. Steel Prince was brilliant, sitting three wide nearly yeah, the whole trip and stuck on strongly, was coming again late. Um, we actually had intentions to go to the Canberra Cup with him, but I think we might go to the Australia Cup. Um, as for Holmesman, we haven't really worked out where we'll go with him as yet. He's... Um, He's again. He's very honest. He's in the all-star mile. If he were to get a run, um, he probably yeah, he might have felt the pinch a little bit late there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're two horses that are in for really good preps. Albeit they'll be in really strong races, um, and you you've got to be right at the top. But um, yeah, they've returned in really good order. And uh, your thoughts on the run of Chica Fuerte? She was good. She was um, a little bit soft in condition. And wide gate, we elected to ride her quiet. I think she's better when we have her nice and fit and out to the mile plus and we can roll forward and find the rail. She's got a really bad habit of, of hanging in under pressure and um, she did that again yesterday, whereas when she can find the rail and get near the speed, she's got something to follow and it, and it doesn't have as much of an effect. So she'll head to the mile at Flemington in two weeks. Uh, it's a CUNY and that'll be the right race for her. She can... Um, she can hopefully lead and dictate, and she'll be a bit fitter. She should she should fire there. Congratulations on the Blue Diamond success yesterday, and thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Sam Friedman joining us, talking about Artorias. So uh, I see he was into eleven dollars in the Golden Slipper, but not nominated now. Obviously, unlikely to go. So the size produce looks a, a good race for him. Well, certainly does. Um, as Sam touched on there, up to fourteen hundred, and the mile is only going to suit him uh, even more. You'd have to expect. In Grey Shanding and Animo, Godolphin had to be content with second and third. Both both good runs? Yes, certainly. So um, looking behind them, there, there's not that much in the way of uh, excuses that can be made uh, for the beaten brigade. In Grey Shanding, very game Animo, uh, making good ground from the back. And um, and then Finance Tycoon and, and General Bowen, and uh, they rode that hot speed. But I think definitely the winner um, is the horse with the most scope out of the race. And you really can't wait to see uh, when he gets up to Sydney what he can do in a, a couple of those big, uh, big autumn features. Exactly right. Well, that was the Group 1 Blue Diamond. Let's turn our attention now to the Group 1 Futurity. Behemoth was an easing favourite, and the big money came late for Probabile. Crosshaven around the turn at the 400 metres held together. A length and a half streets of Avalon. Behemoth getting out now, the big man. Then came Probabile. Ole Kirk up on the fence from Sosi Bon. Then Arcadia Queen. Crosshaven joined and headed now by Behemoth and Probabile. She strikes the mare. Probabile at the 200. Here's Arcadia Queen a length and a quarter away. Probabile a length. Arcadia Queen. Probabile going well. Probabile wins it. A half Arcadia Queen. Mr. Quickie third from Behemoth. Sosi Bon. Then Streets of Avalon, too close to Sun Cross Haven, and Ole Kirk was last. Yes, Probabile. She was actually three wide, no cover all the way, with Arcadia Queen stalking her, and they were strongest at the end with Mr. Quiggy also coming from back in the field to run in third. You like Behemoth in this race. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, it's two very, very good mares. The the Quinella, I think, uh, Probabile, obviously she was outstanding first up. She's been a very good mare. Uh, seems like she's been around for a while, of course. Mm. She, she won the... She, or she, won both of the, the races over at Caracca in New Zealand, the, the two-year-old and the three-year-old races. And yeah, she seems to have improved again. The first up win, as I said, was very, very good. And again, sitting deep um, yesterday and, and had to repel that late challenge of Arcadia Queen. They, they came away and, gee, as you said before, it's uh, it's going to set up for a really nice clash um, in a few weeks in the All-Star Mile at Mooney Valley. Three weeks' time. But just on Behemoth, he, he, he was ridden to hold his position. He was there to present at the right time. Uh, would it be a case, do you feel, 
I know you like Behemoth, that, that simply better horses went by him in the end? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably the way we've got to treat it. Um, hindsight's a, a great thing to, to have, but um, a couple of those races in the, the spring maybe weren't as, as strong as the, mm. the competition he faced yesterday, probably and and Arcadia Queen. So um, he seemed to have his chance and, uh, as you said, just beaten by um, a couple of better mares on the day. Well, this race had, has a significant bearing on the All-Star Mile. Mooney Valley hosts it for the first time in three weeks' time, the, the 13th of March. So Tab did react uh, to the, the race yesterday with, with market changes. So Probabile and Arcadia Queen, they're both into $4 from four fifty, And I think it's fair to say Probabile earned the plaudits yesterday, but Arcadia Queen would have lost no admirers. So this sets up for a very good uh, return clash. Behemoth? Well, easy, six out to eight. Mr. Quickie trims 17 to 15. Ole Kirk did nothing and uh, wasn't wanted in the market either. No, exactly right. There were, were some excuses there from, from Karen McAvoy saying perhaps he was just trapped in that, that inferior part of the ground down on the inside. But, yeah, his last um, 75 uh, to 100 metres was a little bit concerning. He, he did drop out sharply. So we'll just have to wait and see with Ole Kirk and uh, what comes out of that. He was and he's fifteen dollars out to twenty six. Just on the track now, you do the form in Melbourne. Uh, the, the the pattern yesterday, the the rail was true. The track was a good form, but it seemed they did want to shift away from the inside. Yeah, I think those inside probably lanes one, two, and three were uh, were probably the the three inferior lanes um, for the majority of the day, and and we saw noticeably from race two onwards that they they did want to shift off the track. But then again, you know the the Cornella and the Oakley Plate, which we're about to to have a listen to, uh, Portland Sky Led and, and Celebrity Queen come up the inside. So, um, although they did want to, uh, to to just get off the fence, I, I think uh, I think most of the horses uh, throughout the day got their chance. Well, let's have a listen to the Oakley Plate as we sit in select racing yesterday morning. Fantastic clash here. Eighteen runners, handicap conditions, and wide, wide open betting. Into the straight at the 300, driving up Ancestry, first to straighten from Portland Sky and Anders two-length celebrity queen, Kemmel passes Zutori runs on from Sword of Mercy Portland Sky's taken the lead went to the front, a wall chases Portland Sky at the 100 metres, led Kemmel passer and celebrity queen's driving they hit the line, Portland Sky or celebrity queen, they've hit it together, Brooklyn Hustle has just dipped out out wide from Kemmel passer and dirty work, it's a photo finish to the Oakley Plate, then Profits Thumb Garner behind those horses, then Zutori, Boldstar, Sort of Mercy, Ancestry got weary, then Ranting, riding the wave, Anders. How romantic, well back in the field with Hansi Attic, and then came Mizzy and stand out. Well, it was a photo finish, as Matt Hill said, and the judge couldn't separate them. A dead heat in the Oakley plate, Willie Pike riding Celebrity Queen, and T.O. Nugent riding Portland Sky hit it locked together, and it was a shared result. Kemmel Passer, again, uh, Jumping out of his skin in third with Brooklyn Hustle in fourth, which the horse you were on, Brooklyn Hustle. Yes, um, you could make a case that she was a, a little bit unlucky, but um, looking at these two winners, Portland Sky, um, gee, this was a, a tough performance race in between the or two of the favourites in Anders and Ancestry. They set a, a very strong speed, and um, he was the one still there fighting on at the end. So uh, interesting preparation from him. You might have to uh, correct me here. Was that race that he competed in up here, was it a, a qualifier for the Magic Millions or, or something along those lines? Uh, well, uh, it May have been a wild card. Yeah, the wild card. Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm not certain. We we're trying to have a chat with Matt Laurie this morning. We couldn't get hold of him. But, yeah, Jared's referring to the fact that uh, he ran first up in the Vaux Rogue during our summer carnival. That was 1,400 metres. Luke Curry rode him. He had a wide gate that day. He raced wide, but the record shows 17th of 17. So, don't know what happened that day. and was beaten a mile, beaten 14 lengths, but then bounced back to win that Manfred at Caulfield on, on um, a couple of Saturdays ago. So... Uh, T.O. Nugent, his first his first Group 1 win. Celebrity Queen, she was first up into the race and typical um, uh, Grant and Alana Williams polish um, and, you know, get another one of these horses from the West with, with a wonderful strike rate. She's now won seven from 13. Yes, uh, good ride from Willie Pike, able to settle midfield. Um, down on that inside part and he really drove through late with... Probably 50 metres to go. I know Portland Sky had set that super speed, but um, looked like he was maybe going to hell uh, was maybe going to hold on and and just um, yeah, W Pike factor just really getting over the neck of um, Celebrity Queen. I was watching the head on, and you can see him really stretch her out that last 50 metres. And yeah, they went to the line with nothing separating them, and and very little between the field over the line as well. Camel Passer, as you touched on, very good running third. Brooklyn Hustle flashing home, and and Dirty Work as well um, was a noticeable um, impressive closer as well. 
well. So, yeah, not much, uh, not much between a, a number of them there. And that's what handicap racing is all about. Only five lengths cover the field of 18, as you said. Let's go to our next replay from Caulfield, Blue Diamond Stakes Day yesterday, and this is the Angus Armanasco. And this was an open betting affair. Uh, Impecunious was the favourite at 360. Coming up towards the turn at the 450, it's Juan O'Leary and Yes Baby, Yes Matching Strides. Malacorn, three quarters of a length away. Then Shajiki to the outer, safe passage with the yellow cap, needs a run, so too Impecunious. Miss Guggenheim's hunting the fence, then Chica for word, hey? Yes Baby, Yes at the 200 metres, under hands and heels, went to the lead, safe passage into the clear. Malacorn and Shajiki, Yes Baby, Yes, 100 metres to go. St still led by a length to Malacorn, and Yes Baby, Yes is, oh, is she going to hold on? Malacorn's made a dive. It's tight. Yes, baby, yes, or Malacorn. Third is a photo as well. Shajiki or Impecunious, followed by Chicka for Word, a Miss Guggenheim. Safe passage, and at the tail of the field was Juan O'Leary. Well, here was another one. A yes, baby, yes, coming off bad summer carnival form. We saw her twice here. She ran 12th in the nudgy behind uh, a theory, and then ran 10th uh, of 16 behind aim in the the Gold Coast, the Magic Millions Gold Coast Guineas, where she did have a wide trip, but you know her profile. Uh, did that not, obviously, that didn't surprise you, her bouncing back yesterday? No, certainly not. And, and to see her race back up on top of the speed as well, um, interesting. She seemed to have that racing pattern um, through the uh, the spring in Melbourne, and then uh, she came up here and drew wide both times. No luck at all. Ended up well back. So I think they were both definitely uh, forgive runs. And and uh, back into uh, to just the Phillies great as well, I think was a plus for her. Able to dictate in front and, and um, able to stave off an absolute wall of them coming at her. She had to... Uh, survive that uh, protest that was um, launched in by Dan Stackhouse, who rode Malacorn, runs second, and uh, all honours to what's yes, baby, yes there. I wonder if we listen to one more race. This is the final event, the Group 2, Peter Young, where we were talking about Holmesman and Steel Prince with Sam Friedman. Here's the replay. So it's Holmesman and Parody. Parody strikes the front 250 from home. Then Knights Watch shared ambition. Nonconformist wax away. Chapada runs on. Parody at the 150. Holmesman's brave. Shared ambition. Nonconformist and Chapada. Still Parody from Holmesman. A wall chases, but the mare is brave and she won Parody. From shared ambition, photo third. Holmesman, Steel Prince, Nonconformist all there. Chapada not beaten far from those. Uh, they were followed next in the field by uh, towards the Outside Angel of Truth, Harlem Night's Watch, and at the Enregal Power. Well, Paradis, we know her well uh, from a Queensland point of view. Of course, she arrived here and uh, won the wave and then backed up and won the uh, the staying race during the Magic Millions Carnival. So it was a good pay pay week for her. Uh, went back and obviously freshened up and, and too good. Looked Looked hard to beat in the race. How did you assess her before the race? Yes, um, when Miss Siska was scratched, it, it looked like there wasn't going to be much speed on paper, and, and that ended up the way it was. Holmesman was able to dictate, and, and Parody settled uh, up there on his outside, and they really built the race from probably the 800 metres home. And, um, and yeah, she's come through those uh, well, that summer preparation up here really well. And uh, a really 18, or an 1,800-metre specialist. She's now three from three at that trip. Uh, away from her, shared ambition was very good. Laid a number of these good closers from the back. Steel Prince, as Sam uh, touched on earlier on, very good run. Uh, Nonconformist as well. And also Angel of Truth, there was a little sneaky run there. Uh, I thought he was making very, very good ground late. So um, I think if you like a number of them, I, I'd be sticking with them. She must be a tough girl, this one, Paradise. She's been up for some time. She raced during the spring, and uh, now she's into the, into the summer, <laughs> approaching autumn. I wonder if she might go to the Australian Cup. Well, I think that'll be the logical next step. She was only beaten a lip in the uh, the matriarch during the spring carnival. But as you say, she has been up for a, a long time now. So, uh, so kudos to the team there with Danny O'Brien, uh, just able to keep her... Uh, racing, uh, racing in her best form, and you know, she goes there. I know it's going to be another step up, but um, hard to knock a winner. Just on that staying point of view, at the other end of the bookend, Defibrillate won the first race. Uh, certainly a harder assignment if he, if Patrick Payne elected to go to the Australian Cup, but. You can't fold his form. What's he won now? Four in a row. Four in a row. Yes, he he's been in in very good, um, very good form this preparation, and uh, and yeah, really looked his race there yesterday, and he was able to finish over the top of San Huberto, who was um, a, it was a very good run for him, finishing second. He had a couple of runs in the spring, and maybe just needed that time in Australia to settle down. He certainly won to follow with the uh, the sixty kilos. That was an impressive run yesterday. Well, the stage now uh, turns to Flemington for the next two Saturdays. Uh, next week, we've got the Australian Guineas. Tag a lower $4.80 on Tab Fix. Zoo Dancer, 
Cherry Tortoni, eight. Asar at nine. Dom to shoot uh, Mawanga, $11. Ole Kirk, 13. Poland, 17. Crosshaven, 21. You had an early thought in that race? Uh, Tagalower, he just has that really attractable racing pattern. He's going to be up on the speed again. He, he likes to, to box seat and that, so it always makes him tough to beat, but a really, really open race. Uh, we saw a number of them a couple of weeks ago uh, in the, the main lead up there, and, um, and, and yeah, it looks like it's going to be a very, very open Australian guineas this year. Well, that's the three-year-old Group 1 feature next Saturday at Flemington. We leave Melbourne now and turn our attention to Sydney where we raced at Rosehill Gardens. And it was a gradually improving track during the day. We kicked off with a heavy eight, but we had upgrades to a seven and then a, finally a soft six. The Hobartville Stakes was the main three-year-old race in Sydney and the favourite for the race was Peltzer at $2.60. Pelter held together, coming around the turn from Prime Star, Easy Campisi, North Pacific's pulling out, and two further back to Aegon, revved up between runners. It's Pelter scraping paint at the 300, trying to beat off Prime Star. Aegon's going for a run between them, and North Pacific to the outside. Pelter's under siege, and here comes the Kiwi. Aegon went straight through the centre and charged to the lead now in the Hobartville Stakes, and Aegon makes it five out of five. Went on to beat North Pacific Prime Star Pelzer Weekend at the end. Then came Lions Roar, followed by the Eleanor Easy Campisi King's Legacy and High Supremacy. Yes, the Kiwi, Aegon, and he remains unbeaten. It's now five from five. Hugh Bowman riding and zigzagging a path there on the straight, and he was clearly too good. There were no excuses for the opposition because they didn't run at a strong tempo either. It was a, a, a fairly moderately run affair and a sprint home, so all honours with Aegon. Murray Baker is joining us now, the trainer of Aegon, to talk about him. Murray, congratulations. Uh, first question to ask you is, what was your expectations going into the race yesterday? What did you think about his chances? Uh, well, we were a bit worried that he was coming back from 1600 in the, um, uh, the million-dollar night at Ellerslie, and he was coming back to 1400 but we hadn't done much with him. He was, he was fresh. Uh, we weren't too worried about the track. As we said before, he arrived here in Australia, unbeaten in New Zealand. Uh, was it was he the sort of horse that, before he raced, gave you the impression that he was going to be one above average? Uh, yeah, when we first trialled him up in the early spring, he went he went well. He won a trial, and we thought we might have something. You never know, as you know, this game it, uh, unfolds. But uh, he won his maiden well, and he went on from there. You're in a, an, an interesting position. It's not a bad position to be in because uh, he'll go to the Randwick Guineas um, and then plotting a path, is he a stayer or isn't he a stayer? And I suppose only he'll be able to tell you that. Exactly, yeah. We won't make any decision until after he's run on the Randwick Guineas. What about you've you've uh, made a habit of winning the, the Australian Derby. I think you've won it five times. Um a horse like Aegon, how do you compare this horse with those Derby winners at the same stages of their career? Uh, well, he's probably he's probably a little bit sharper in some ways, possibly not done deal, but uh, some of the others. But he's only had the five starts, so we've got still got a bit to learn about him. Yeah, exactly right. I was mentioning too; they ran the overall time in one twenty four one six, and the sprint home was thirty four six. So. They didn't run it hard. Peltzer was up front doing it comfortably. So from, from your horse's point of view, he probably wasn't entitled to win with a slow speed. So the, he, he's obviously got a good turn of speed as well. Yeah, he's very light in his feet. Um, yeah, he has got a, he's got a good sprint on him and he's out of his abeal mare. So he's got that little bit of toughness with him. What about um, any other runners coming over for the, for the um, Autumn Carnival in Sydney? Uh, we took three over. We took Quick Thinker that ran yesterday in the open, uh, the open sprint. But uh, he needed the run, and the chosen one, uh, he's he's back as well, having a go at the Sydney Cup. He ran second in it last year. And what did you think of Quick Thinker's run yesterday? Well, he had sixty-two. I think he had probably had about five kilos more than anything else, and. Badly in need of the race, but uh, he's a he's a funny horse to get a line on. We're hoping he likes Sydney. He won three group races here last year, and we're hoping if it remains wet, he'll be well suited. 
Good on you, Murray. Overground. Yeah, good on you, Murray. Thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Murray Baker joining us this morning, of course, in a training partnership. Uh, Aegon, five from five, so can't be faulted. <laughs> Oh, exactly right, and he, he's another one who has that really attractable racing pattern. He's able to, to box seat. He's got that sprint, and, and I know they obviously, as Murray said there, they're not going to make any decisions um, regarding, you know, Rose Hill Guineas derbies, whether he drops back to a Doncaster until after he runs in that Randwick Guineas, but his pedigree by Sacred Falls, as as Murray said, out of that Zabil, um, that Zabil blood there on there, the, the dam side, so... Really, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up because on, on paper it looks like he, he should have no worries with, with 2,000 metres, but we'll have to wait and see. It's fair to say no excuse for the opposition because he came from behind them and beat them. They seem to have their chance. No, exactly right. Peltzer uh, able to um, really uh, run it to suit him up on the speed. And um, North Pacific, he was he was good again running second, uh, but whether uh, they, anything can turn it around on Aegon in, in a couple of weeks' time or a few weeks' time in the, the Ramwick Guineas uh, is going to be tough to uh, to see. That was the Group 2 Hobartville. Another stepping stone towards the Golden Slipper in a month's time was the Silver Slipper yesterday, over 1,100 metres. Let's go to the replay. Pulele was the favourite here at 3.20. Had the call over Home Affairs at 3.60. Into the straight, 3.50 out. Home Affairs moves up on the outside. A direct Pulele's got Rocket Tiger in a pocket. Further back then to King of Sparta making ground. Home Affairs, he goes for home now at the 200. Got a neck up on direct. Then came Rocket Tiger sticking on. Home Affairs, those broken clear in the silver slipper from Rocket Tiger going to a clear second. But Home Affairs sees it out today and off to the slipper he goes. Home Affairs beat Rocket Tiger and a third, pretty good go there. Direct may have held on from King of Sparta. They're the primary pair. Uh, further back then to Tiger Malay from Palili and a gap back to Doolatila and Dio. I'm interested in your thoughts on what you think the scope of this race is. Is this a strong form line towards the slipper or not such a strong form line? Well, looking back on it yesterday, I'd probably be leaning towards not a strong form line. Uh, home Affairs Look, I suppose he's ticked that soft track box um, with his, well, his race on soft tracks. Both of his career starts now. So we know slipper day can sometimes end up very wet. So maybe uh, maybe if, if we get a wet track, he, he certainly got um, he's got that area covered. But, you know, I think I think a horse like Profiteer certainly looked to or looks to be um, a little bit more brilliant than him. And and uh, and, yeah, I'm not sure if, if there's anything out of that race uh, that can really trouble a couple of the, the big guns come uh, come slipper day. I, I agree with you. I think uh, without any disrespect to, to the winner and, and the opposition, I think it's a, a B-grade lead-up uh, time, even allowing for the, the, the nature of the track was nothing flash. I think there were three 1,100-metre races yesterday. They ran 1,4.98. The first race, Andermatt ran 1,4.51 and the 1,100-metre benchmark 94, fair enough, ran 1,3.82. You don't generally expect two-year-olds to run faster or or, you know, comparable times to older horses or better class horses. But, yeah, I just feel, and, and I felt there was, you know, like, what, two lengths between five runners when they hit the line. I think that's always a, a good barometer that maybe the race is not the, the greatest of of of, um, of lead-ups. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, so I, I think we'll be looking elsewhere for the, for the slipper winner in a couple of weeks. I'll put that on tape. When Home Affairs win, I'll play <laughs> yeah. it every time you come on the air. Uh, just, on the, just on the slipper market... Uh, calling it a profiteer four dollars tightening stay inside seven dollars as we said before Artorias eleven dollars but not nominated remark eleven Emthar well see it's amazing how um, one run can can change things around out to thirteen dollars but remember Shaquiro was once favoured for the Magic Millions and then went out to $15 after it ran a bad race at Eagle Farm. Exactly right. And you wouldn't bet against um, against Kieran Maher and David used to be able to, to really um, to, to get her to harness that speed come slipper day. But I think that market probably um, as correct as it can be from, from looking at it now. I think profits here deserves definitely to be at the top of it. Yeah, certainly. Let's have a listen to the the group uh, group two, Millie Fox for the Phillies and Mares. Into the straight now, 400 metres to run. Positive piece, a half in front to Asiago. Subpoenaed is closing in on the leaders, getting past Exotic Ruby. Madame Rouge not getting a great deal of room, but Subpoenaed sustaining the run. 200 metres out, takes the lead. Madame Rouge is getting the gap now, giving chase. Subpoenaed a half in front from Madame Rouge. It's Subpoenaed drifting in a bit, and Subpoenaed goes on to win the Millie Fox. Won it by three quarters to Madame Rouge. She's ideal, charged at the end into third. Fourth between Positive Piece. 
piece probably from Lalude. Asiago dropped out, then Girl Tuesday at Exotic Ruby. Chris Waller-Quinella here, Hugh Bowman riding subpoenaed and uh, J-Mac, James McDonald riding Madame Rouge. Subpoenaed is a good mare fresh and she uh, reinforced that again yesterday with a solid win. Yeah, exactly right. Um, good to see her. Well, well, maybe not good, but interesting to see her a little bit closer in the run yeah. as well with that wet track. Um, she raced a little bit uh, deeper, but I don't think that was any real knock. And she's often, well, we've seen her get a long way back and be charging home, charging home, always running on. So so good to see her just that little bit closer. And, and yeah, certainly good runs from her and, and Madame Ruse. They both returned in very good order. And, and as you heard Darren in the call there, she's ideal really an eye catcher from the back, charging home into third. Seems like Madame Rouge has been around for 100 years, but I see it's only had 26 starts after yesterday. Of course, just missing out in a Stradbroke handicap. Let's round out Rose Hill Gardens from yesterday by having a listen to the Parramatta Cup. This was one of the horses that punters really rallied to, although a little easy in the end of the market, but still around the favourite, and that's Sacramento in the Parramatta Cup. Round the turn, Sacramento swings in front of the Lord Mayor Sikandrabad, locked up from Mr Marathon Man. The Doos Dart's in a tricky spot. Sacramento trying to fight off the Lord Mayor. Sikandrabad's looking to go between the pair of them. It's Sacramento. He's got a fight on his hands. Sikandrabad's going through the centre. Sacramento kicking. Sacramento three quarters to Sikandrabad. And he does it again, Sacramento, taking out the Parramatta Cup. A link to Sikandrabad and the Lord Mayor third, followed by Moose year, then the do's dart further back to Mr. Marathon Man from Raheen House Paths of Glory, Salino and a good gap back to Hiranawi. Well as you know I love a leader, as you know from our Black Booker conversations and this fellow fits the bill uh, and he's in a, a rich vein of form at the moment, makes his own luck and he's going well. He's improved again this preparation I remember when he won the, the St. Ledger down in Melbourne um, in middle mid part of last year, one of the toughest wins you'll ever see, he just kept whacking away, whacking away, trying his heart out. Uh, so interesting to see if he goes back up in trip again, but I suppose while he's having this success um, at the shorter trips, um, why change? So really tough win. Uh, you heard Darren say a couple of times in the call there, he, he had a fight on his hands, and in the end he kicked back to win by 1.3 lengths, the official margin. So, uh, yeah, all honours, all honours there to Sacramento. Next Saturday, two Group 1s in Sydney. Dame Giselle in the surround is at $4.50 on tab. Fixed away game seven. Hungry Heart eight. La Mexicana, Mexicana eight. We should have asked Sam about that. Montefilia at $8. And, of course, the other feature will be the Chipping Norton. And the current tab fixed has very elegant at $2.50. Colette at four fifty. Colding at 5 Fun Star 8 and double figures the others. We'll be talking more about uh, the carnivals in Sydney and Melbourne on Press Room tomorrow morning. Look forward to your company then. But still plenty coming up on Past the Post. We'll take a break and come back and turn our attention to racing in Adelaide and Brisbane. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Many of you, of course, will know from Press Room, my producer, producer Dale, occasionally makes an error, but uh, you would think producing on past the post... Uh, that wouldn't happen. I'm sad to say that's not the case. Uh, my production sheet here says Morfordville. Relevant news from the Doombin meeting. Well, anyway, we'll put that down as a typo, producer Dale. Look forward to working with you tomorrow. Anyway, let's go to the Group 3 Lord Reams. Was it the Group 3 or listed? Jared, I made a mistake here. Now, see, he'll be laughing at me now, Dale. Group 3. Group 3. Group three. I was right the first time. Let's go to the Lord Reams. Charlie Rose, uh, odds on here. And look, the winner, and it turned out that way. They corner for home, Mushareb tackled by Farouk, swinging for home, the big unit, Farouk took the lead, but Charlie Rose in hot pursuit, Charlie Rose ranged up to Farouk, she went straight past him like he was standing still, then Mushareb, Epidemont, long arm from the back, but Charlie Rose opening up, four in front from Farouk, then Epidemont, long arm now goes into second, but Charlie Rose, she is different class and she bolts it in the Lord Reams, by nearly four lengths to long arm, Epidemont, a gallant third. Then Farouk, followed by Mushareb. Next in Reinvigorate, Tarn's Prince, Flow Meter. The Red Sea folded up. Mongolian Khan towards the back is Char Rossa and Sostanito's one of the last. Charlie Rose winning very comfortably. I'll defer to you on this one because you know her background coming from Victoria. Um, yesterday she, she, well, she beat Long Arm. He's a fellow Victorian. The others were, were locals, but... 
coming into this race, what was your opinion of her from from a Melbourne point of view? Well, she's an interesting mare. She's been up a while now. Uh, kicked off in, in mid-October where she won a, a maiden at Warnable. So she's really, really gone through a grade. She was ultra-impressive in the, the bag at last, uh, last time out. That was on, on New Year's Day. So... I think she's a, a star. She seems to have everything. She's got a turn of foot which she can use to either round them up. She can settle on the speed. She can, you know, she just seems to be able to do everything. Everything that's thrown at her, she she handles it well. So, look where where her level is. It's it's still hard to know because she's winning by these big margins and and doing it very effortlessly. So uh, so it's tough to get a read on, but really really good to see her go through a great. She's now won five from ten. Well, when you say uh, where's her level at? I certainly would think by yesterday's performance at Adelaide Cup level, which is two weeks away. Yeah, she she certainly looks very tough to beat in a race like that. Um, twenty eight hundred at the back. That's been her most impressive win to date. So I, I don't think that the step up in trips going to be any real concern for her. And and you're yeah, interested to see um, her, her progression through the the rest of twenty twenty one. Beautiful ride by Holder. Just allowed her to bide her time early. Just sat and then he said, and he rode like she was the best horse in the race. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was a, a, a vintage be, be, rider was the best horse in the race um, sort of case. He's a good rider, Jason Holder. That was Adelaide. And as we said, uh, don't forget the, the big uh, cup in two weeks' time on the Monday. And, of course, on the Saturday, it's the big day at Murray Bridge where they'll host the Magic Millions two-year-old for the first time. And that should be an outstanding weekend of racing in South Australia. Eagle Farm yesterday, and um, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the the track. Well, it was so pleasing to see yesterday that it played extremely well. Um, jockeys reporting uh, a lot, a lot of a, a lot kinder surface, no kickback at all. So, Greg Puckridge predicted that yesterday, and he was spot on. Let's go to the seventh race of the day. This was the three-year-old over the mile, and Tycoon Evie's our favourite here, three dollars fifty. Tycoon Evie, 1-2 with the shillelagh by Duplessis. At this stage, has got the measure of Jenny. They're followed then by Abracadazzle. The others aren't making any impression, but Tycoon Evie, she won the other day and she's going to win again today. Tycoon Evie, far too good for the Miners. Jenny second, Abracadazzle third, and possibly fourth way beyond, but Cassia and Cosmic Gossip aren't far away. Then came spokesman Carmaseeker, the Cullen hardly passed a horse, beat one home by Lissabi Amici, last over the line. Rick Slip would have left Eagle Farm in a good frame of mind yesterday because um, he's got this filly low flying at the moment. She's doing everything right, and uh, we're headed towards a time where she can play a role, of course, with our big carnival only a few months away. Rex is joining us this morning on Past the Post. Rex, good morning. Good morning, David. And and I would say I would be right that you did leave there yesterday. This is a nice filly, mate. Yeah, she's a very nice filly. Uh, she's an up-and-coming filly. She. She hasn't uh, found her limits yet, but uh, no, all all shaping well for uh, for the future. Did you always have an opinion of her before she started her racing career? Yes, I did. It was just a matter of waiting waiting for her. She's very very immature, and still is still is a long way off being matured properly. But she's always a very laid back type of filly. She is, you think, uh, being a full brother to. Uh, Winning Rupert to be jumping and jump and run filly, but she's never like that. She's always a filly that she always was very laid back in her work, virtually nearly lazy in her work, and it was it was hard to get a judgment on her until I started to really push her forward and uh, make her do what she wanted her to do. Mm. And what I like about it too, uh, this is the exciting part. I feel we often see fillies uh, will say will say she's going to be a stayer because you'll see them run on from the back and you know she'll grind away. What I like about this filly, she takes any bad luck out of the equation because she's got that roll-forward nature. She can put herself into a position, but she's strong to the line. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've never had one like her before where you can, you can uh, she jumps well, takes that position, where you know, whether, it's, whether it's leading or whether it's two, one or two pair back. But she's always, and, and that's a big plus in racing today. If you can be in that forward position, she relaxes wherever you put her. So, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a, a double bonus with her because she's just so so easy to uh, ride in a race. But still, still in the same, she's still got a lot to learn. What I also like is that I've been listening to Mark Duplessis comment about her post race yesterday and also when she won two weeks ago. Now, Mark's the sort of jockey I like listening to him because he doesn't speak nonsense. He he uses his words wisely, but you know, reading between the lines, I think he's got a very good opinion of her as well. Yeah, well, David, he actually, uh, he, as everybody knows, he got suspended a week ago, but he wanted to, uh, mm. so, so he appealed it and uh, because he wanted to ride this filly, knowing it was her last run 
for a little while and he wanted to stick with her and uh, try and keep the saddle warm for yeah. her because uh, it was just one of those things that he, uh, he got an opinion of her and, uh, and, it, and it's all starting to come to fruit. We were talking to Murray Baker before he trains this unbeaten Kiwi called Aegon and uh, it won the Hobartville yesterday at 1,400. And Murray's in a good position where he says, well, he'll tell me if he's a derby horse or if he's not, we can you know, defer to a race like the Doncaster. And I suppose you're in the same position because you've got our, our carnival coming up, our winter carnival coming up, and as yet she hasn't ticked off the box as being a, a, a stayer, but... What are your thoughts? Do you think she will develop into a, you know, possibly an Oaks horse? Look, at this stage, I will be treating her as a uh, up to a miler mm. at this stage uh, with, the, with the guineas in, in sight. But saying that too, if, she, if I think she's going to run on more, it all depends on how much she develops in the next you know, couple of months, and I think she will develop a lot. But uh, I'll... I'll talk to confer with the owners, but I'm saying we will make, will not make a decision until later on. And you know, she starts her prep up, and, and we'll work towards the guineas, then possibly or the Philly uh, series races uh, through the carnival. Because it'd be nice to get some black type in the pedigree for her, mm. being a full sister winning Rupert, which make her a lot more valuable as a broodmare. What's the background of the owners here, Rex? I. Uh, Jeff Cullen, he bred the filly, mm. and he, he owned the mare as well. And uh, unfortunately, this is a, I think there's only one more filly out of the mare. But he's uh, he, he you know he's had some a lot of success with uh, he, he bred Jonkers and, uh, and another filly there out of this mare. But look, he's he's, he's just a small little breeder mm. and loves his horses. He had a spelling place at uh, small spelling place at at Bay Desert there for a while, but he's uh, sort of just sitting back and uh, enjoying life at the moment with uh, with his couple of broodmares and uh, breeding a few and enjoying life. Final question I'll put to you, probably a tough one, but I know you'll be you'll be you'll give it your best shot. Uh, at the same stage of their careers, how do you compare Tycoon Evie to Tinto? Uh, two different types of fillies. Mm. Tinto was a sit back and run on horse. This filly's a jump up and run. But what I'm saying is, I had I've got a very high opinion of this filly, but Tito's done it. This one's still got to prove. But look, she's done a lot towards being a, a, a top filly. This filly, and as I say, that's why we're chasing black type for her, for in a pedigree, and uh, that's the way we'll be looking at it for her. But you know, at this stage, uh, Tito is definitely a, you know 1800, 2000 meter horse, but. This filly being a, like jumping out and leading it over a mile, you got to have a little bit of a query whether she run 1,800 or 2,000 metres. But that all depends on how she strengthened up and what she does in the next couple of months. Well, as I said at the outset, it's a good position to be in. Thanks for your time this morning, Rex. Always appreciate it. Not a problem, David. Thanks, mate. Tycoon Evie's a trainer, Rex Slip, joining us this morning. And, uh, yeah, I think... I think He's a smart man, Rixley. He doesn't. He's another one who's, who's like Duplessis. He doesn't uh, waste words. And if he says he's got a high opinion of her, I'd, I'd mark it down. She's pretty good. Yeah, it's really interesting to see uh, to see where she gets to. Um, still uh, going off what Rex said there, plenty to learn about her in the future. And and as he said, being that full sister to winning Rupert, bit of blank type on her page, and and that makes her very very expensive filly. Of course, uh, she beat home Jenny. They quit out of the race two weeks ago, and it was similar pace-wise as well. They, they they got up to the front, they controlled it, made it difficult for the back markers, the one I liked, the Cullen. It never got into the race, but maybe it might have been a victim of, a, of an average tempo. Let's go to the sprint now, race five over the 1,000 metres. A good betting race here, but in the end, they really rallied to Spurcraft. On straightening by the 400 metres, I've got an L leads. Kylie's now sweeping up on the outside to come after it and head it. Royal Witness two away. Then came Wernpar and Spurcraft's got to get a real wriggle on. Kylie's down below the 200 metres. Hands and heels is in the lead. They haven't got it as yet. Royal Witness, Invincible L running on. Spurcraft will run last. Kylie's in front, stopping. Invincible L charging, got up. Invincible L all over the top of Kylie's. Royal Witness third, I've got an L fourth. And then Wernpar and Spurcraft didn't put in today, finished towards the tail. 
Invincible Al. He'd be one you'd remember for your old days in Melbourne. Yes, he's been with Tony Gollan a, a little while now, and, and that win was a really uh, vintage in, Invincible Al win. He had this real knack even when he was down in Melbourne. It, it almost like as soon as you'd ride him off and say he couldn't get there, he'd just charge and, and just pick up that length in the last 50 metres. And, and yeah, looked like Kyle East might have just pinched enough to hold him off, but yeah, he really, really let down that last 50 metres again. Spurcraft beaten five and a half, didn't put in at all yesterday. One of his worst runs, uh, certainly this campaign, maybe he's just feeling the effects of a fairly long campaign. The previous race was interesting. Paul Anker was the odds-on favourite, scratched at the barrier. So in the end, Ren's Day ran the short price to elect. Go deep, does it comfortably? Tries to lead all of the way from Ventura Ocean, Sea Dragon, and then came Checkers, followed by Blue and Violet near the rail. Then Golly Hutt, and now Wednesday comes to the outside, and Leah Kellner starts to wind up the favourite. And I can tell you one thing, it is coming extremely quickly. Go deep in front from Ventura Ocean, up goes Wednesday on the outside. Ventura Ocean goes with it though. Wednesday, Ventura Ocean, they'll fight it out from Go Deep. Ventura Ocean kicking, Wednesday levelling up now, Venture Ocean in front, Venture Ocean holding on, beat Wednesday, photo third, Golly Hut or go deep, maybe Golly Hut, gaps to Checkers, Blue Ant, Sea Dragon and Violet, Violet is last. Yeah, Australian bloodstock quinellaing the race from the ownership point of view, Venture Ocean beating Wednesday, I thought Wednesday was tens on to beat Venture Ocean when it got to it, but... After having a good run, uh, Ventura Ocean was able to kick and beat Wednesday. Fought back very strongly, Wednesday. Um, look, he has had a little bit of a, a habit of finding one better, um, formerly with Godolphin, of course. Uh, I remember when he first came to Australia, I think he raced in a, a benchmark 100 at uh, 100 at, at, at Rose Hill and uh, and then went back to a, a class one at uh, Wyong or Gosford or something. And, and, yeah, he was beaten there. So, look, he's... Uh, I think he needs to to um, to really be safe for that one last crack and arrive just at the right time. But all honours to to Venture Ocean, interesting horse. He's um, former English uh, galloper. He's now uh, well, that was his first run for somewhat eight months or something. So I think there's improvement to come there. He was being set for the provincial championship in Sydney, but uh, they changed the rules apparently, and uh, they had to um, defer and uh, brought him up here. But I think we'll see him head back to to Sydney sooner than later. Let's listen to our last replay from Eagle Farm yesterday. This is the final event, uh, the Class 6. In the home straight, though, Sea Raider going for home. Stuttering on the outside despite a tough run. Coming after it, Gamely. Then Xanthus. Good on you, Sonia. Tessak under pressure. Maddie Rocks and Enterprise Prince run on strongly. Good on you, Sonia. With its second win, went to Sea Raider. Stuttering is starting to peak. Good on you, Sonia. The inside. Sea Raider. Then Stuttering. Enterprise Prince and Maddie Rocks. But good on you, Sonia. Won the last. Beat home Sea Raider. Uncertain about third. In his stride, driving through. Tessak. Stuttering not far away. Wider Enterprise. Prince and Matty Rocks, then Juventus Xanthus Marendi. Marendi was last over the line. Good on you, Sonia. I doubted it at 1,400 metres. Prove me wrong. Lindsay Goff trains for a good team of owners. They would have celebrated long and hard last night. And Jimmy Orman bookending the program, beating Sea Raider, who's racing well, stuttering. A f- only a fair getaway and then a wide trip third. Yeah, I think he's a definite uh, forgive job there, stuttering. But good on you, Sonia. She got the good run in the in the race and able to capitalise really sprinting hard through late and, and she was a, a strong winner of the last at a good price. Of course, next Saturday racing will be the Sunshine Coast, but it will be the Tattersalls Racing Club that will be hosting the meeting in a first for uh, both uh, uh, the, the Tattersalls Club but also the Sunshine Coast track. Uh, they'll meet up together next Saturday. We'll be talking more about the Tattersalls meeting during the week here on Radio Tab. Jared, thanks for your time this morning. Um, safe travelling to Mount Gambia and <laughs> safe travelling back to Bundaberg for the Greyhounds tomorrow. <laughs> thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much, David. Amazing how they do it these days, isn't it? Anyway, folks, thanks for your company as well. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to your company tomorrow morning on Press Room when we talk about all things racing and issues right around Australia. Until then, bye-bye.